This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Stephen, Josiah, Rosemary, Amy, and Levi. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. First, Stephen asks, how old is the church? Well, Stephen, this church, Grace, began as a core group of people in late 2007 and became a self-governing church with its own elders in February of 2010. So we got started not quite 16 years ago, and we just celebrated our 13th anniversary as a particular church. The church itself, though, goes back much, much farther. Some people date the beginning of the church to Pentecost in Acts 2, but actually it goes back a lot farther than that. The Apostle Paul says the foundation of the church includes the prophets. And John's vision of New Jerusalem, a symbol of the church, includes the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, which would take it back to the covenant promise to Abraham and his offspring. The idea of the church is even older than that. The Bible says God shows us in him before the foundation of the world. And now Josiah asks, why do we call it Lent and what does Lent mean? Josiah, the word Lent comes from an old English word that I've seen translated a couple of different ways. Some people say it meant to lengthen something, but the best translation that I've come across seems to be that it refers to springtime. So Lent seems to be an old English way of describing the time of year leading up to Easter. We use the word Lent to refer to the 40 days that lead to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, which remind us of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness and Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Rosemary. Let's give Rosemary a round of applause. Here's Rosemary's question. Why don't kids get to get the Lord's Supper? Well, Rosemary, in order to come to the table and receive the Lord's Supper, a person should meet a number of requirements. So let me tell you the requirements first, and afterward I'll explain why. First, you should have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before coming to the table. In baptism, we receive the covenant sign that God has given to his people and their children. The water pictures the washing away of sin promised in the gospel and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Now, Secondly, before coming to the table, you should be trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. The only way that we can partake worthily of the elements is to partake in faith. So only those who have faith in Jesus alone can participate in this meal. Third, before you come to the table, you should have made a public profession of faith before the church and been received as a communing member. It's really important that those who have faith confess that faith in front of God's people. 
the elders of the church have a responsibility to examine people and assure themselves that these professions are sincere. At Grace, we practice what's called open communion, which means that members of other Bible-believing churches are welcome to join us at the table. In other words, you don't have to be a member of our church, but you should be a member of some church. Also, before you come to the table, it's important to examine yourself and confess your sins so that you can come wholeheartedly and not harboring any unrepentant sin. Now, this is important, too, because the Apostle Paul says that as we participate in communion, we are participating in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus, and that we should discern his body in the elements. This means that as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we rejoice in Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. Now, Paul also says that people who partake unworthily, without faith, in other words, actually eat and drink condemnation. Basically, it's good for you spiritually to participate in faith, and it's destructive spiritually to participate without faith or to participate frivolously without discerning Christ in the Lord's Supper. There are two sacraments in the New Testament, by the way, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and they correspond to two important sacraments in the Old Testament, circumcision and Passover. Circumcision was a once-only initiatory rite, but Passover was something you participated in again and again. While a baby would be circumcised, just as we baptize infants, participating in Passover required knowledge, being able to understand the symbolism and what it meant. In a similar way, in the church, we want to prepare you to understand what the Lord's Supper means and equip you to participate with knowledge so that you can partake in faith and discern Christ's body. Now, you asked why kids don't get the Lord's Supper, but that's not exactly right, is it? Some kids do, and others don't, not yet. The difference is not about their age, It's about faith, and specifically, it's about making a public profession of faith. No matter how old you are, when the Spirit opens your eyes to the fact that you are a sinner and that your only hope of salvation is trusting in Jesus Christ, then the faith that God is working in you is real. Now, for some people, faith comes early, even before they can really explain it. What we want to do is encourage that faith and help equip you to be able to talk about it. Why? So that you can understand God's work in your heart and share it, too. Now, there are people who can't remember a time when they didn't trust in Jesus. And there are others who have a definite turning point where they moved from unbelief to true faith. Now, you might have a real, genuine faith for years before you're able to make a public profession of faith, because to make a public profession of faith requires understanding. It requires being able to explain what you believe. If you're a young person who trusts in Jesus and feels like you might be ready to stand before the church and profess your faith, here's what you should do. First, Talk to your mom or dad or a Sunday school teacher or even an elder and let them know that you want to make your faith in Jesus public. 
What I'll do is I'll give your mom or dad a special workbook and together you'll go through the questions in that workbook and that's going to help prepare you to talk about your faith. When you're ready, you'll talk to the elders of the church and they'll ask you questions about what you believe and based on your answers, they'll determine whether or not you're ready to proceed. Now, sometimes the young disciples we talk to are ready to profess their faith. And sometimes they're eager, but they still need some time to mature in understanding. And that's just fine. There's no rush at all. The important thing is to be ready when the time is right. And when it is, then you'll stand before the church and take the same membership vows that everyone else does. You will admit that you are a sinner. You will declare that you're trusting in Jesus alone. You'll promise relying on the Spirit to follow Jesus to the best of your ability. And also promise to support the church in its mission and to submit to its government and discipline. And once you've done that, you'll be admitted to the table as a communing member of the church. And you'll be able to participate in the Lord's Supper fully. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. First, Amy asks, have you been to Barcelona? No, Amy, I haven't been to Barcelona, but I have a pretty good idea why you're asking me this question. Because even as we speak, you are in Barcelona. I hope you're having a wonderful time and that when you get back, you'll tell us all about your adventures in Spain. And now Levi wants to know, what would you do if there were a million poisonous spiders in your house? Good question, Levi. First, I would pretend to be afraid and I would run away so that the million poisonous spiders would all chase after me. Then I would lure them into a trap. I'd run down into the basement where I've already gathered one million and one deadly tarantulas. And my tarantulas would eat all the spiders, which are actually pretty healthy because they're full of protein. But their poison would then kill all the tarantulas but one. And I would bring the last tarantula to church and I'd put it in the pocket of one of the coats that's hanging in the hallway outside the sanctuary. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking The Big Questions.